Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the 1871 podcast with Johnny Hunt and me, Mark Roach. And we're hoping that, that Dylan is going to join join us. He's not with us yet. So hopefully not another power cut in South Africa. But um, I'm delighted to say... Our special guest tonight is Martin Allen. So, welcome to the show, Martin. And uh, we know you've been doing some keep fit, haven't you? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. An hour in Bourne End Community Hall. Um, I think I was probably the most unfittest person there. Um, and towards the end, um, oh, my God, head was dizzy, lungs were exploding. Um, I thought I'd uh, been involved with a chemical weapon. It was like just total body fatigue, like, oh, my God, what is happening to me? But I'm now thankfully recovering quickly. Good. And, and, and Johnny, Johnny, you've actually got COVID, haven't you, after two years, but uh, apparently you, you're feeling OK. Yeah, yeah, my family had it last week. It's a nervous all with work and stuff. Eventually I get it, but, you know, it's what it is. Um, yeah, it could be worse. It could be a Reading fan. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before we, uh, before we have a proper chat to Martin, um, a heads up for you that, that we've got not one, but two bonus episodes for you this week. So we've got another episode tomorrow evening with Royals new signing Terrell Thomas as our special guest. So that's available from 6.30pm tomorrow. Then on Thursday evening, our special guest is former Royals striker Stuart Lovell. And yes, we will be asking him about his penalty miss in the 1995 playoff final at Wembley and some other stuff as well. Then on Friday, Friday, our guest is the former Reading assistant manager, Nigel Gibbs, who was Brian McDermott's assistant the last time Reading were in the Premier League. So that's all coming up. But, um, you know, no game for Reading at the weekend, but some of the players were representing their countries in international action. Royals keeper Luke Southwood made his debut for Northern Ireland in their 3-1 win against Luxembourg. Orion Nyland... Uh, I'm not sure if I've got the pronunciation right, but he kept a clean sheet as Norway beat Slovakia 2-0. And Junior Hoylet scored in Canada's 4-0 win against Jamaica as Canada secured their place at the World Cup. But I want to talk about something that happened at the weekend involving former Reading captain Phil Parkinson. And he was celebrating because his Wrexham side came from 5-2 down with 25 minutes to go to win 6-5 against Dover, thanks to a stoppage time goal, eight minutes into stoppage time. So congratulations to Phil. And and that game reminds me of one of the greatest Reading games of all time, coming from 3-0 down with 25 minutes to go, to beat Plymouth 4-3 in the record-breaking Royal season in the 80s. So uh, time now to to have a good chat with Martin. Great, Great to have you on the show, Martin. And your connection with Reading, of course, goes back to when your dad, Dennis Allen, played for the Royals between 1961 and 1970, I think it was. And he was an inside forward, as they were called in those days, made more than 300 appearances for Reading, scored, I think it was 85 goals. 
and you were born in Reading when your dad was a player at Elm Park. Did you did you get to see him play, Martin, or were you were you too young? No, um, the one night I do remember uh, the outstanding life, uh, outstanding moment was when um, my dad was um, had his testimonial night, and um, they had a bigger crowd for my dad's testimonial than what they had all season for the first team because he a, was able to get these England players, including um, Bobby Moore, um, Gordon Banks, to come to Elm Park um, for, for the match. And I, I remember sitting in the front row of the director's box with my mum, and uh, I remember my dad coming out onto Elm Park on his own, last person out. Um, you know, not, not say guard of honour, but both teams are lined up for my dad to walk up and walk through. And a uh, great night, never forget. I don't know how old I was. I couldn't have been very old. That was my first um, real memory of, um, of football and it was, uh, was Elm Park. And, and how big was your, your dad's influence on you in terms of helping you to become a professional footballer? Oh, <laughs> oh without him, it wouldn't have happened. Um, uh, do, do you know what happened? Uh, well, I'm hoping you can you can tell us. I know I know a little bit about um, the training that that you did. Um, I listened to you on another podcast when you talked about hopping up stairs on one leg to to build yeah. up your strength, and then coming back the following season, and all of a sudden you were, you know, a lot fitter than than you were before. So I know I know that part of your story. Well, for all the Reading fans, um, Reading had a manager called Morris Evans. And Morris Evans came to my mum and dad's house once a month, probably, in Burfield Road um, for, um, for dinner and a few drinks on a Friday night. Morris came with his wife, Mary. And uh, one evening, he, he asked me about how football training was going, because I was training at QPR quite a lot as a schoolboy. And he said, well, why don't you come training with our reserve team? They train on a Thursday night. So come down to Elm Park, get changed in the dressing rooms, and then they train over at Brock Barracks. So this was my first training session. I think I was about 13, and I hadn't signed for QPR. And Morris kind of knew that I wasn't going to sign for Reading because I, you know, I had the opportunity to probably go higher than Reading at the time, which was pretty straightforward decision. But I remember as a 13-year-old, we had a game at the end of training and Reading had a centre-forward who was playing on my team. Um, and this was a, a pitch that had um, sweatshirts or, or training tops as the posts over at Brock Barracks. And the guy that scored the winning goal for our team was called Mark Matthews. And when he scored the winning goal, his celebration was to pull his shirt up over his head and pull his shorts round his ankles. <laughs> I was 13, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> and I, there's all, all men, like proper blokes, like Mark, I think Mark was a builder or a plasterer because he, he, was, he was with Reading, but he wasn't quite full-time. And for the first time ever on the middle of a football pitch, a 13-year-old boy, and of course I was at school at Stoneham, I looked across and on the pitch... He was stood with his wide legs wide open, his arms stretched out up top, his, short, his shorts around his ankles, get the winning goal, and he celebrated flashing. 
And that was my, <laughs> so when I saw Morris, and he asked me, how did training go? How did training go, Martin? I said, well, training was good. And my mum said, well, tell Morris what happened. And my dad had told me not to grass up Mark uh, Matthews by telling him that he had his, ankle, his shorts around his ankles. So that was 13. And then as I got a bit older, my training um, all revolved and my work revolved around Reading. Um, I wasn't in the youth team at QPR in my first season because I was too skinny. I'd shot up in height and I'd lost my speed. So my dad fixed me up to go to Reading um, Boxing Club by Chatham Street Car Park. Uh, I used to go there on a Tuesday. Then on a Thursday night, I used to do uh, Reading Athletic Club at Palmer Park. And then on a Sunday morning, I had to go to the Chatham Street Car Park at the bottom level and met an athletics coach. And that's where we did the hopping and jumping and sprinting up the steps on a Sunday morning. Um, and I did that for two years each summer. So my, my summers, you know, everybody else had a break in football. I didn't. And, um, you know, those coaches from Reading Athletic Club, Reading Boxing Club really put me through it. And then by the time I was 19, um, I was in the first team, nearly 20 in the first team at QPR. So it was a massive step. And when I go back and, you know, drive around the town now, um, Chatham Street car park's not there, is it now? No. But I have great memories or, well, I used to be sick. I couldn't walk at the end of it. Um, and the power that it gave me, um, the power that was put in over those two years was quite unbelievable. I have a massive, massive amount to thank for the coaches. Uh, and uh, we have been joined by by Dylan. We're a bit worried about you again, Dylan, but he's, but he's here. Um, so before I, before I let you jump in, Dylan, just want to ask Martin um, about your time at, at Reading on the management team. So you played for QPR, as you said, West Ham, Portsmouth and South End. And your introduction into management, you started your career in, man, in management at Reading as assistant manager to Alan Pardew. Can you believe that was 20 years ago? No, no, I, I couldn't. If you'd have told me that was 20 years ago, I'd have never have believed that. Um, there's, no, that there's no doubt. How did, that, how did that come about, Martin? <clears throat> um, well, I was manager of um, Portsmouth Reserves. And one Monday night, um, we played at Medeski against uh, Reading Reserves. And their manager was a guy called Alan Pardew. And uh, we were top of the league at Portsmouth and Reading's team had a load of stars in it, which is not always easy when you've got stars playing in the reserves. So they don't really want to play. And uh, we beat them 4-0. And with 10 minutes to go, um, Jim McIntyre, I think his name was, he'd done a nasty, nasty tackle on one of my players. And... Um, as you can imagine, I stuck up for my players. Alan Pardew saw that it was a bad tackle and just sort of shrugged his shoulders. Jim McIntyre got sent off. And as he was coming off, we were all trying to fight him and get after him because I didn't like what he'd done to my player. And the next morning, I had a phone call from uh, Alan Pardew at Reading Football Club and said, um, hello, Martin, Alan Pardew. We don't, we don't really know each other. He said, but I just want to say, I loved um, your, the way your team played last night. I loved the way you played football. And also at the end of the game, 
I loved it when you were stuck up for your player for what was a bad tackle. And he said, I'm sorry that that, you know, because my player had to go to the hospital. He said, I'm really um, sorry your player's gone to the hospital. Is he okay? And I loved the way you stuck up for your player. Well, I've never had anyone ever compliment me like that in football management. So I said, thanks a lot. Nice to meet you. And then a few weeks later, um, I was working for Fulham doing scouting for Kevin Keegan and Arthur Cox. And my, my next game was at Reading on a Saturday afternoon. I was doing this job as well as um, coaching at Portsmouth because I wanted to find players. And at half time, I said to my son, George, we ain't sitting in the corner behind the corner flag because you can't see the pitch. Reading were playing Notts County and it was nil-nil with about 20 minutes to go. And we stood on the, and we sat in where the corporate go, you know, the Prawn Sandwich Brigade on the halfway line. And Alan Pardew had done a substitution and he took off a right back, a right winger, and he put on two centre forwards, um, one to play up front, one to play right back or right wing. But he totally changed the team and he put on two, two centre forwards for a right back and a right winger, which I thought was fairly reasonable. Anyway, about 10 yards to the left, 10 from where I was sitting with my son, George, some bloke who was drunk stood up and shouted, Pardew! You don't know what you're doing. As loud as he could. As loud as he could. And I looked across at him over my left shoulder and my son's with me. And I thought, Oi! And I shouted back at him. Um, Sit down. He just put two forwards on. What's he supposed to do? In an horrible voice and an horrible face that I have got sometimes. Everybody else kind of clapped. And as the game restarted, some bloke in front of me, he turned round. He said, thanks for sticking up for him, mate. And I said, what? He said, thanks for sticking up for him. That's my brother. I said, is it? Yeah. He said, thanks for that. Appreciate that. Anyway, didn't think nothing of it and just carried on. Then about 10 seconds later, a lady that was sitting just in front of my son, George, she turned over her right shoulder and she said, um... (laughs) <laughs> this is true she said because um, Alan was getting a bit of stick as well at the time and she said thank you very much for sticking up for him that means a lot to us and I'm going to tell him I said tell tell what do you mean she said that's my husband Alan Pardew <laughs> I said is it <laughs> she said yeah and I said well the stupid um, stupid idiot he should shut his mouth and support the team rather than having a go at the players couple of months later, John Gorman left to go to Tottenham and mm. um, I wasn't working. I was doing people's gardens in and around Gerrard's Cross and Beaconsfield. And I had a phone call about four o'clock from Alan Pardew. What are you doing tonight? I went, nothing. He said, meet me at the Copsorn Hotel. I'm going to offer you a job. <laughs> I was picking up leaves off people's gardens, I promise. My car was full of black bags, full of leaves. And um, I met him, sat down for an hour. He's told me that he wanted to be me. He wanted me to be me. He wanted me to be the assistant manager, but he wanted me to um, do what I wanted to do. And he, he gave me license to do whatever I wanted to do. And it was in the training, the preparation, organization, 
They hadn't won for 10 games, I think, at the time. Mm. So it needed drastic action. And he said, you're the perfect person to do it. He said, I'll support you all the way. He picked the team, but we were very, very close and very tight. And I think at the time he needed my style and my way to help him get through the bad patch that he was in or the team was in. And of course, we went on and had a fantastic run. Yeah. I remember leaving the Copthorne Hotel. That was the one, the big red hotel on the side of the M4. And as I I said, thanks a lot. I'll see you in the morning. And uh, as I was walking away, he said to me, "Um, you haven't seen this. And he had a brown envelope, like an A4 size envelope. I said, what's that? He said, it's the contract. And I turned back and went back towards the table, you know, those coffee tables in hotels and reception. I said, "Um, what is it? He said, it's the contract. He said, you don't even know how much you're going to earn. I went, don't worry about that. I said, I'll work for nothing. (laughs) I said, just keep it hold of it. I don't want it. Just, it doesn't matter. It don't matter. It didn't matter to me at the time. And we started, we started the next morning. Uh, We played Colchester on the Saturday. We won one nil. I think there's four and a half thousand Reading fans in the Medeski. And when they, when the players came off the pitch, every 4,300 supporters stood and clapped our players off. And it was a start I think it's okay to say, and Alan wouldn't mind me saying, it's probably the start of what happened in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, Martin, we're gonna we're gonna have a very short break now, uh, but we're coming back uh, very shortly, and um, and then Dylan, I'm gonna let you have a go. Oh, lacquer, <laughs> lacquer. So, so Dylan, lacquer. do you want to uh, do you want to ask uh, Martin a question now? You, you came in a bit late. We were worried about you, but you're here with us, so you're over to you. No, man, listen, it's always good to see you, Martin. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, very good, thank you. At least you're not in your car tonight. <laughs> you're at no. home. <laughs> no, I mean, just listening to you there, I mean, I used to speak to a lot of players and, and coaches, big Kev Dillon, you know, uh, you know, and, and the respect that the, 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 the lot of them had for you was just, you know, and I'm talking as, the, as, as not as a Reading fan, but as a, Reading, a former Reading player, not always keeping in touch with people. There's always, you know, a good... There was always a good uh, understanding of what you did and what you brought. And it's, it's amazing to hear that story. I mean, that's what this podcast is all about, to, to, for people to, to hear stories about Reading Football Club and, and, and how things worked and how things didn't work, what went good, what went bad. You know, and listening to, to, to that, you know, as you know, people do scream, at the uh, fans do scream and <clears throat> it's the, the, they've got opinions. We may not like it as coaches, as managers, as players, <clears throat> but they do that. But to do that and, and to, to end up being at Reading, as you did, with a lot of success, you know, it, it was it was, it was was different class. It was different class from former players and coaches that, that, that have worked with you. You know, so it's, 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 it's pleasing to hear that, Martin, honestly, it really is. Especially for like, you know, a, a football fan as I am. And Martin, you went on that great. You went on that great run, didn't you, at the, the end of the season? And it was, you know, if you'd have been sort of up near the playoffs, um, you could have well got promoted that season, couldn't you? Uh-huh. That's so, a good with question. That form, with that form, that's a good question. Um, after training the next day, when I started, um, Alan said to me, "We've got to go back." to meet the chairman 
the chairman wants to meet you, Mr. M- Mr. Madeski, and the chief exec, um, they want to see you. So I said, what are they, why do they want to see me? They said, they want to meet me. Just want to meet you. So I said, oh, all right then. So I went back to the stadium and uh, I had an old van. I had a gardening van, right? <laughs> anyway, it given me the, um, the contract. So I looked in the contract and um, what did I he looked say? the contract. You have to do JM's garden. <laughs> no and uh, I looked through the contract but you know like I said I wasn't bothered about the money that weren't a big deal to me and uh, went into his office he was sat there he said welcome to Reading Football Club Martin we've heard an awful lot about you and he said are you looking forward to the challenge of keeping us in the division and he stared at me and I gave him a glare look back and I said, um, no, no, I think we can reach the last place in the playoffs. And I didn't smile. I just stared at him and he went back in his chair. He said, <laughs> he said, I don't think so. <laughs> so I said, don't you? And I stared at him again and gave him that horrible look. Don't you? And he said, well, he said, we can't win a match. And I said to him straight to his eyes, I said, that will soon change. We will win a lot of games and we will do very well. And I didn't smile. I didn't smile. And I just looked at him and stared him out. The room went very, very quiet and it was icy, cold and silent. I said, you haven't even given me a bonus in my contract to get promoted. And, and, it's, and, it went, and it went silent. It went silent. And I was absolutely at the belief and the honesty. They, they were just hoping they were going to stay up because I think we were one place above the relegation zone yeah. at the time. Yeah. So that's how it happened. And it was that sort of um, power or that sort of um, positive mental attitude that I went with, with Alan, with all the staff, the physios, everybody, and the players that were late. They, they, um, if one person was late, everybody had to be in half hour earlier. That was the rule that I put in. And I told Alan, this is what we're going to do. And Alan said, yeah, if, if that's what you reckon. And I used to sit out, out front of the training ground and the door going into the training ground and I used to tick everybody in. If anybody was late, the next day... So in the end, we were training at half past seven in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and you can laugh, but my message was, if you're late for training, you'll be late for the big moments in the football match. Don't yeah. be late. Don't be late. Be there. Get there early defending set plays, attacking set plays. And we went for all the set plays that I knew, defensive and attacking. And we were really, really good at set plays. But it was hours and hours and hours on the training pitch that got us that good. And so it was a military operation with zero flexibility. It was intimidating. It was um, virgin on looking back 20 years ago, bullying, do it my way or don't play. And Alan Pardew gave me the 400% backing to do it. And um, 
that's what it was like. That that really was that was really what turned the corner um, to to get. And we've signed some good players with Nicky Hammond as well, to be honest, uh, and, and Alan, of course. And we 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 started to build from there. Martin, do you not think do you not think that characters like that now? The the there's that there's that element not in the game now. There's not the you know you haven't got them characters like yourself that would bring that kind of motivation, that kind of you know incentive, like I say, incentivizing them to to be respectful to the job. Do you not think that that's missing now in the game? Yeah, it's missing, but there's been um you know the overhaul of the academy system and players, young schoolboys, young players being um. Um, taught about education, taught about uh, tactics, different ways of playing, uh, improving technical skill, improving tactical knowledge, um, knowledge of um, review of performance, um, game preparation. It's totally, totally moved on to another level. And all the schoolboys in the academies now, they, they get a, a performance review of clips about what they did well, clips about what they didn't do so well. And it's not ex-footballers now. It's people that are well-educated, with good knowledge, that are teaching and developing our young players, which is why we've now got so many brilliant technical players at the top level. Because that cycle, what is it, nearly 15, 20 years that's been in place. And we're seeing the benefits of it, you know, for when we we go on and win the World Cup uh, in Qatar. Martin, that, that change of culture that you had, you know, when I remember that season when you came in, and we, it's very similar to this season, is in the fact that we were just kind of going freefall towards relegation. And there was no kind of energy on the pitch. It was so painful. Like, like this season, I don't even watch any of the games. When you came in, you and Alan, did you realise how bad it was? Or did you know... And, and then how did you, like, was it a kind of a change of mental attitude? I remember you got, is it Matty Robinson came in, I think? Sammy Igo was there. There's a few players that made the difference. But the team was like from one game to the next. It's two, it was almost like watching two different teams overnight, down to yourselves and obviously the way that you approached it. But how, how did that happen? <laughs> it's kind of like a miracle. But... It wasn't a miracle. Um, I don't think they'd won for 13 games. Mm. And um, the team was struggling. So with a young manager, which Alan was, that's, that's a really difficult situation. Mm. It's really, really, really difficult. And um, he knew that, that that would be perfect for me. He knew that would be perfect. Self-belief, um, confidence, um, game plan, way of playing, um, um, I'd stand on the training pitch and if they didn't play forward passes, attacking passes, and if the back four didn't move up the pitch, oh my God, I would go after them big time. Mm. And I mean big time. I can imagine. <laughs> and big time. But then when it we worked. started winning, then when we winning, and when we got a draw away at Preston, mm. on the way home from Preston, I said to the manager at the front of the team coach, we need to stop off at the next junction, turn left, stop at the first pub that we come to. And I want one hour in the pub 
two drinks maximum per player because we don't want anybody drink driving. Yeah. And he went, are you serious? I went, yes, I am serious. I said, that's a great result we've just had here at Preston. So let's get the players in there. So he went, well, what about the players that have got functions to go to or families to go home to? I said, Alan, this is part of the work, mate. We're going all the way to win as many points as possible. And if they don't want to come to the pub with me and you, they can get off the bus now. Wow. We put, we, I went down, told Phil Parkinson, told Peter Grant, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And we went in there. We was in that pub hour and a half. We were singing. <laughs> we were dancing. Barry Hunter was singing and dancing. I was messing about and being funny. Oh, my God, we left that pub for the journey back home. Some players and staff had more than two pints. <laughs> we had a great laugh, a great laugh. And everybody absolutely loved it. Getting back on that bus, we were going places. And I don't just mean down the motorway. Yeah, and that's just a change of mindset for people then, is it? Like, you see players now, it's like they don't want to be there or that, that what you did was just something simple. And things seem to get overcomplicated in football nowadays. That sort of team bonding, like I'm sure you had, Dylan, like just means a lot. Yeah, I mean, we 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 did it. You know, when I, when the first time, the first week I was there, we all went to. I think it was the Swan in Pangbourne. You know, and and we all I knew from then, when everybody stayed in the pub for the whole day, we didn't. Nobody left, and I knew from then. You know that we we got a good bunch of lads, and 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 it's funny because Martin's been overseas. Uh, as I am now, and I'm trying to bring in a bit of, and I, and I know it's a different culture, but I'm trying to bring in a bit of what Martin does because obviously, Parky Barry told me stories. They've all they've all told me stories about Martin, and you know it's he, you know he, he's he's on a different level when it comes to motivations and different level when it comes to you know doing his job. You know, so you mm. you pick up little things and you and you kind of. You know, I don't take them to the pub because if I take them to the pub, they 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 they, they, they don't drink a couple of pints. They get their they get the brandy and cokes and the and the beers. <laughs> Dylan, yeah, are you sure that's for... not you? Are you sure that's no? no about I, I'll go. To the pub. <laughs> I usually take them for coffees or we'll we'll do a braai, which is obviously a barbecue. We'll do a braai and have uh, you know I'll do something like that, which you know they 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 they, they actually don't understand why we do it or why I do it, mm. but. When and and when they're there, they, you know, they they want to they, they they obviously don't want to go home because they're just trained, but they end up staying for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, some of them, you know, yeah. because they they're actually together and you 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 create that environment in a squad, you'll get them to run through brick walls for you. You know, unfortunately yeah. here the, the the club's you know financial status and the money that they can't pay, that that's taking away the good stuff that I'm trying to do because at the end of the day the, the players are not getting paid so it's 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 a, it's a different thing over here Martin um you had a brilliant end to that season I think it was something like 14 games unbeaten 10 wins four four draws and then um we lost one didn't we I think you, you might have lost one I can't I can't remember but it, it was a great great run and then um and then obviously you you left what could, do you remember what happened then? Was that was that Alan's decision? Was it, what what happened when when you left? Yeah, that that was Alan's decision. Um, of course, and fully respect for it as well. I was disappointed to leave, of course, but um, 
I think that what, what was needed, I did. But Alan, as we've seen, is also a very good coach. He's a very good manager. And I think it's fair to say, and he wouldn't mind me saying, that it was probably the right time for him to um, get his hands back on the reins and probably change the way. It was after the Cardiff, uh, after the Cardiff defeat, because we had a brilliant season um, that next season to go from nearly getting relegated to uh, to getting in the playoffs um, was, you know, really quite outstanding. And we nearly got promoted anyway, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So it was really close. But then when that had finished and Alan reviewed what had happened over the previous 18 months, um, I fully respect that he now wanted to implement his style and his way. And he wanted to be more to the forefront and he wanted to take me to take a more backward step. Well, I could understand that, but I didn't think that that was going to be good for me. And I also wanted to be a manager. <laughs> I wanted to be a manager. Um, so it was probably the right time with mixed messages then coming from me and Alan to the players yeah. that Alan would sort of say, well, Mark, you've done great. And I still get on very well with Alan and, you know, still um, get on good with him. I love seeing him when I meet him out and about. Um, he did the right thing. He did yeah. the right thing and what was needed. He definitely did the right thing at the time. And um, he thanked me. He said, I couldn't have done it without you and what you've done. You yeah. set this all up for us. And um, he's the first on the phone. I've had two championship wins as a manager. And uh, he always rings me, says, fantastic, well done. To be a champion is, a, is amazing. Um, yeah, so no, no hard feelings between us. Well, look, Martin, we're uh, we're almost out of time now, so um, just just sort of finally want to ask you if you if you get to see red in these days and and what you make of what's going on this season. Yeah, I do get to see Reading. I've got a friend um, called Tim. Nice name, isn't it? Yeah, Tim. Um, Tim's got um, not a box. He's got. Um, he, he paid for a table for the season for about six people. Um, he's, a, he's a really nice, he's a good friend of mine. And he's got a box on the halfway line or table on the half lane in that restaurant. And yeah. so he has different guests. So I normally come and watch with him, watch the match. He supports Reading, uh, you know, as I do. And, um, you know, it's, it's fair to say and reasonable and respectful of the manager. Um, it's been a difficult season. Some good players have left. They've not really been replaced. Some of the players that have been bought in have not really done it, um, which has been a bit mysterious, some of those players being bought in. I think the manager's a good manager, I do. I think he's a good manager. I think he's got something about him. I love watching them play. I think the crowd have been very patient um, overall, um, but it certainly does need um, an improvement uh, and the centre forward who gets all the goals, he's been injured a lot of the season, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Martin, you, you, we're, we're, yeah. Look, sorry, Martin, we're we're out of time now. So, just want to say thanks ever so much. Really, really great to have you on, and um, yeah, just uh, uh, hope you recover from your keep fit session. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the hardest hour in my life. You're looking well, pal. 
Thanks a lot, Martin. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much, Martin. Take care. Cheers, Lovely mate. To you all. all right. And, and only... See you, Mark. See you, Rest Johnny. up. Cheers. And, and up, only, only a few <laughs> days to go until Bye, the big Johnny. game at Barnsley, everyone. A reminder that our special guest tomorrow is new Royal signing Terrell Thomas. So join us again tomorrow, anytime from 6.30pm. Then on Thursday evening, we'll be joined by former Royal striker Stuart Lovell. So join us again tomorrow. And don't oh, forget, you can oh, follow us on oh, Twitter and Instagram. Oh, gee, oh, gee. At 1871podcast. Thanks, take care and good night and come on you ours. Sports Social Podcast Network.